Good morning, GRX. This is a new format for us, but hopefully we'll still be able to talk about God's word and um, that this word might be a word of encouragement uh, and hope for you. I wish I could be with you in person, um, but I'm recovering uh, from surgery. But we can still dive into the book of Romans. And let me just say, uh, as we start off, that the book of Romans is a hefty book, 16 chapters. It's theologically weighty. And as we read it together, some might find it challenging to understand and to read. And so what I want to give us is an anchor point, uh, a touch point or a tagline, if you will, that can anchor us into the meaning of, uh, of Romans when we, uh, when we get lost and when we get uh, theologically overwhelmed. And if I was going to say Romans was about one thing, I would say it is about this. God for us. Romans is about God for us. And it comes right out of Romans 8, 31, 32, where Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Romans comes back to this theme over and over again, God for us. I want you to get that God is for you. God is for you to live with purpose and to know your eternal significance, for you to have real relationships and real joy and peace and real hope in your life, for you to embody authentic faith, to not live out of fear or be the victim, but to be more than conquerors through him who loves us. God is for us. So that's the big overarching idea, the big theme in Romans, God for us. And today we dive into Romans 5. And as we read it, after that, I'd like to offer three reflections on hope. Three reflections on hope. But here is Romans 5, starting at verse 1, and we'll work our way through verse 11. The Apostle Paul writes this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to pause right there. Last week, Pastor Ali talked about justification, that in Jesus, our status has changed. It's not about our doing for God, but that God has transformed our being. Our status has changed in that we are justified. We are forgiven people through the cross of Christ. In that sense of being justified, it's like words on a page being justified, that we are brought into alignment with God. And so you could summarize the entire Romans chapters one through four as Paul's argument for the reality of us being justified and our status being changed. And now he's ready to build on that in um, chapter five. So then he goes on to say, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This is where he begins to talk about hope. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit 
who has been given to us. So Paul talks about rejoicing in our sufferings, and then he, he outlines this progression, really, that there's suffering that leads to endurance, that leads to character, that leads to hope. We'll unpack that a little bit more in a little bit. Then he goes on to say in verse 6, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let me read that again. It's another example of God for us. Verse 8 says this, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then the Apostle Paul ends this section, verse 9 through 11. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. And with that, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, encapsulates uh, his understanding of um, our salvation in Jesus Christ and the hope that we have through suffering. So now let me offer three reflections here on hope. And it'll go like this. Uh, The first is the hope in suffering. The hope that we have in suffering. The second reflection is going to be the hope in brokenness, the hope in brokenness in a broken world. And then the third reflection is the hope in Jesus Christ, the hope in suffering, the hope in brokenness, and the hope in Jesus Christ. So now the first one, the hope in suffering. Now, um, I'm actually uh, speaking to you from uh, Kaiser, uh, and I am actually uh, preparing to go into surgery. And I was reflecting on suffering a little bit. I think I'm going to suffer a little bit in this surgery. Um, But I don't really know anyone who likes to suffer. Uh, Most people I know go out of their way to avoid suffering, and for good reason, um, because suffering is often associated with pain, and any kind of pain or experience or any kind of suffering experience is pretty, you know, pretty frequently uh, and often uh, avoided. And even in our culture, uh, I was reflecting on pain and suffering in categories. And there's a lot of ways that we um, avoid pain or we can uh, deal with pain and suffering. Um, so if someone has physical pain, there's medication that we can take uh, for it. Emotional pain. Uh, many people will turn to uh, alcohol or drugs or addictive behavior to try to dull that pain. For pain that's suffering, that's in relationships, um, there's entertainment that uh, can distract us. Um, Sometimes we have ego pain. Um, Sometimes something happens or someone says something or does something to us that wounds our ego or our sense of self or our core identity. And uh, we want to avoid that. So there's uh, defensiveness or denial or counterattack or all kinds of things that we do. So suffering and pain um, are to be avoided, usually at all costs, according to our culture. And really at a visceral level, at a deep kind of gut level, suffering feels wrong. And that makes Paul's words so curious here. 
In Romans 5, verse 2 and following, he says, We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. That's odd. He rejoices in his sufferings. But then he goes on. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. See, the Apostle Paul has this alternate understanding of suffering. That suffering is actually something to be endured that leads to the positive outcome of hope. Now, I was thinking, how can this possibly make sense for us? And one thought that came to mind was in the whole athletic arena. Especially, I think about some people that are long-distance runners. And when you are a long-distance runner and you go out for your training runs very early in the morning and you run, it is a painful experience. It feels like your body is suffering, especially if you haven't run in a long time and you go out and run. The next day, your whole body is just suffering and there's just pain. But then you go out and run again the next day. So why would you do that? Why, why would someone run and do that and suffer? All right, you, you know. You know why. Because as a runner trains, their pain and their suffering has a purpose. And that purpose builds up endurance in their body so that when it comes to the race itself, they might run with endurance to finish the race. I think that's what the Apostle Paul is getting at here. He sees his own suffering as having a purpose. And then notice the progression here. The progression is that suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. For our character to be transformed into being like Jesus Christ, there's a transformation that comes through the way that feels like suffering. For our character to be transformed into Jesus Christ, to be like Christ, I think there's a, there's a, there's a way of transformation that, that comes through uh, a feeling of suffering. I've shared a story before about my buddy Evan Howard, um, and some of you might have heard this before, but Evan is a, a, a pastor friend of mine who used to paint houses. And he would also practice all these different kinds of spiritual exercises, different sorts of spiritual disciplines to strengthen his faith and his, and his character. And one uh, exercise that he would practice regularly is the practice of silence. He would regularly choose one day a week to be silent. And of course, he would speak to others on that day in courtesy and in love. Someone said hello to him. He would say hello back. But as a spiritual practice for that day, he would remain silent if love did not require him to speak. And Evan said it was on his day of silence that inevitably he would get blamed by his boss on the job site for doing something for doing something wrong that he did not do. Inevitably. And it was really hard for him. 
It was suffering for him. I think when we get blamed for stuff, and especially if we feel wrongly accused, I think it's so natural to want to defend ourselves, self-justify. It's just, I think it's just human nature. I think it's just second nature for humans. But suffering and to remain silent leads to and produces endurance. And then the question comes up, what can be discovered in silence when I'm suffering in this way? What am I defending if someone wrongly accuses me and I endure that? What am I defending? My ego? What other people think of me? My reputation? Or maybe my pride? Or if something, somebody says something and I, and, I, and I feel suffering in that, am I trying to defend other people? And then you have to ask the follow-up question. Do those people need defending from me? Or can my suffering produce endurance? And can that endurance produce character? And what I mean by character is what I, I mean maturity, patience, the ability to bear all things, which is love. Character, having the capacity to accurately see from multiple perspectives, to see where God is at work to be transformed into Christ-like character. And then character then produces hope. In Evan's situation, rather than to spend so much energy defending myself or others or trying to control what other people think or do, I live in the freedom of a transformed Christ-like character and hope in the goodness and provision of God that I don't need to defend myself, that God will defend. And I live in tune with God's Holy Spirit, which is the pipeline of God's love in my life and through my life to other people. For Paul... The hope in suffering was that the experience of suffering itself was an opportunity to grow in hope of the reality of God. Suffering wasn't something to be doled or distracted from or defended against, but Paul rejoiced in suffering, drawing a pathway from suffering to hope because suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope in God. Let me quickly go on to the two other reflections on hope. That is hope and suffering. Hope and brokenness is what the Apostle Paul gets to starting in verse 6. He says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But here's this key verse, Romans 5, 8. It's a great verse to memorize. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God shows his love for us in that, and get this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Notice what this last verse does not say. It doesn't say, as soon as we get our life together, Christ died for us. Or while we were acting perfectly, then Christ died for us. 
No, it doesn't say that. It says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In our weakness, in our brokenness, Christ died for us. While we were still like infants in our own mess, powerless to make things right, God made it right. Christ made us clean. Christ made it right again. There is brokenness in every human heart and in every human life. I think all of us have lived enough life on this planet to recognize that that's true. In human life and in human heart, there are broken promises, there are broken relationships, there is broken trust. And this brokenness is what the Bible calls sin. It is people living outside of God's will and God's design for human life. You know, I think about brokenness like this. I think about God's will and God's design for human life like a container. It's like a container like this. And when we live in brokenness and sin, we are living outside of God's will and design. We're living outside of that container. And there's a lot of stuff in the world that happens outside of God's will between people, outside of God's love, outside of God's intention. And so then here's God's will. But then much larger than that is God's love. God's love is a much larger container. We can be outside of God's will and God's design, but we can't be outside of God's love. You can be outside of God's will, and that's sin. But you can't be outside of God's love. And that's the hope in brokenness. In a sinful and broken world, Jesus Christ came, the expression of God's love in human form, to rescue us as an act of love while we were still broken and sinners, while we were outside of God's design. We were not outside of God's love. So we've looked at hope and suffering. We've looked at hope and brokenness. And let me now end with hope in Christ. Hope in Christ, it's all about the end game. The hope in Christ is life over death. It's love over fear. It's forgiveness over punishment. If you get the end game, if you know that you know that you know that you know that God loves you, It changes and transforms how you see your life and other people. I am saved for all eternity through Jesus Christ. You are saved for all eternity through Jesus Christ. That's the end game. That's the hope in Jesus Christ. Paul illustrates this in Romans 8 with this incredible passage. It's poetic and it's powerful. It will give us a glimpse of the road ahead and where we are going in Romans. Listen to the Apostle Paul's hope in Jesus Christ, the end game, that the power of Jesus Christ and the love of Christ is more powerful than even death itself. Romans 8 says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, Will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the hope in Jesus Christ. So I've got three things for you to take home. Three ways that you might want to apply um, uh, this message. And one for each of the three reflections on hope. So we looked at hope in suffering. Suffering producing endurance, endurance producing character, and character producing hope. So this week, you may try looking at suffering in a new way. There are things that you may feel hurt by in your life. There are things in this world that are hurtful. But let me tell you this. They might be hurtful, but things are not always harmful. Do you feel like you're suffering right now? Perhaps it's no fault of your own. Perhaps it's, you know, it's just sin and brokenness in the world. But let me ask you this. Could God be using the suffering to create endurance, character, and hope in you? Consider that. We also looked at hope and brokenness. And you can take this home if you're thinking about brokenness. This week, you might consider your hope in brokenness like this. Maybe you have something broken in your past that you need to get freedom from. It might be a relationship. It might be something that you've done. It might be something that was done to you. Brokenness, it's sin. You need to get freedom from this. You might need to receive forgiveness for this, for this brokenness. And I'll say again, Your brokenness is outside of God's will and God's design, but you are not outside of God's love. That brokenness in your past, that's the very thing Jesus went to the cross for because he loves you. That's why Jesus went to the cross, to repair our brokenness while we were still weak. In our brokenness, Christ came because he loves us. The third thing is this. You might be facing something fearful. You might be facing an end-of-life situation. It's at the end game. And the hope in Christ is the ultimate hope. It is the hope of life over death. It is the hope of love over fear. It is the hope of forgiveness over punishment and condemnation. For you, the take-home is to spend time with Romans 8 and read it, and pray it. It says, neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The hope in suffering, the hope in brokenness, and the hope even in death itself is Jesus Christ who knows you, and who loves you. Amen.
God bless you, GRX. Have a great week.